everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Bearded Things. I'm one of your bearded hosts. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my buddy Tyler. Tyler, how you doing? I am confused. Go on. Um, the time change got me all messed up. Um, yeah. Like one hour doesn't seem like it should mess with you. We're recording on Sunday, by the way. I think most of you know that already, but... um. The time changed because in California, we're, well, I guess anyone other than what Arizona and Hawaii that don't change the times, we're stupid and we do the daylight savings time. And um, yeah, going to bed sort of late at night and then setting the alarm and then waking up and it being, you know, six o'clock and it's like, oh no, like I just went to bed. What happened? And all day I've been out of it. Yeah, this was the hardest time change for me. And I know I'm getting old, but I don't think it's that. I, I don't know what it was, but this time change really rocked me hard. Yeah, I agree. There's been, um, I mean, we talked a little bit off air. It's just, it. everything seems weird. I don't know if it's just like the pandemic fatigue that we're just, because we just passed like the one year mark where, you know, the world shut down. Um but like even like at work and like different things, like it's just everything's felt off and it's just been weird and everything's been kind of quiet and I don't like it. I feel like something bad's going to happen. We're going to get, you know, kicked off the earth or something. I mean, it's well deserved, but I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it reminds me like we were talking off air. I was saying how this reminds me of the movie The Invasion. Which, yes. if you didn't see, nobody did. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's a, It was like the latest remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I had James Bond and Nicole Kidman. And uh, what was happening was this virus was going around infecting everybody. And then they just started acting differently. And that's how they could tell who was infected and who wasn't was by, like, them just being constantly stoic. And, uh, you know, like, I, I don't see a lot of people. I've been socially distanced for the past year, pretty much. Huh. But um, it, I don't know. Yes, yeah, something in the last week or so, week and a half, has just been a little bit off. Maybe that, you know, it's not the zombies or whatever taking over that the invasion did, but there is a virus that's going around and affecting people. And I know everyone's been talking about like this latest round of variants and stuff with COVID that there's been like the brain fog and everyone's just like, you know, it's hard to think. Um, which explains the whole episode when I was sick, why it was all off the rails for me. Uh, that's <laughs> my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's bizarre. Like, I feel like there's something in the air or maybe something not in the air. I don't know. It just, it's, it feels weird. Yeah. Which kind of goes along with, uh, so I like to read weird stuff. And this is a quick little tidbit for you. Uh, scientists have just made a discovery in Antarctica underneath the glacial, uh, you know, iceberg things. The they thing, yeah. Yeah, they found living organisms which shouldn't be there. Oh. Um, yeah, so I mean, nothing crazy. It's like a, a sponge and some barnacles kind of a thing, but that's literally how the thing started. And if you haven't seen the thing, <laughs> you need to go watch the thing because that's pretty much what's going on. Yeah, like the thing being like capital the thing, like the movie, the thing. Yeah, like, and the, uh, we're not being vague. The one with Kurt Russell, not the new one. Just, yeah, it yeah. will scare the crap out of you. It came out like 30 years ago. It's still mm -hmm. terrifying today. And that's yeah. that's what I think is going on. I think there was an ancient underwater alien they found in an Alaskan or an Antarctic uh, space shelf thing, and we're all going to die. So uh, before we get too far off the rails, um, what are you going to be covering this week? I am covering a little bit of Irish folklore in honor of St. Patty's Day and going to talk about some leprechauns. That's right. St. Patrick's Day is coming up and 
uh, I think it's tomorrow, um, actually, well, from the when this episode is released. Yes, from when you're listening to this, yes. Which is going to be interesting because this is the uh, like the first week here in California they're going to be opening up bars again. So it's going to be bad out here. It's going to be straight up yeah. like soccer hooligans. No offense to my soccer hooligans out there. Woo. But uh, in L.A., we only have that happen for Laker games, Dodger games, social justice, um, <laughs> sales, pretty much yeah. every other time except for soccer. The day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> and random Tuesdays. Exactly. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so this week I will be covering another urban legend, and it's one that creeps me out, and it's called The Elevator Game. Ooh. So without further ado, should we jump right into it? Yeah, I think you're up first, right? Yes. Yes, that is okay. correct. Take it away. Well, it looks like there's finally a light at the end of our quarantine tunnel, at least here in the States and particularly here in Los Angeles. And that's, of course, if we don't find a way to screw it up, which let's <laughs> give face it, it time. Yeah, we probably will. But assuming we stay on track before you know it, other countries of the world, you will have loud, obnoxious Americans visiting your towns and tourist mm -hmm. traps. Don't worry. We generally won't take time to learn basic phrases in your native languages or even bother to learn about your customs or traditions because that's the unfortunate American way. America. America. I just tell myself it's our way of letting you know we're in fact not Canadian. <laughs> Anyhow, travel generally means hotels, which leads us to my topic for the night, the elevator game. Some of you may have already heard of this, but for those who have not, let's get into it. The elevator game seems to be a relatively new urban legend. No one seems to know for sure where it actually came from, but I think it's safe to say, since it involves an elevator, it probably isn't an ancient bit of lore. <laughs> so, what is it? There's a few theories on how to play it and what exactly happens. What I'm about to share with you, my bearded friends, comes from actual, literal years of researching this and is based on the common thread between all of the different stories. I would like to start with a warning. We here at Bearded Things do not condone or support putting your immortal soul at risk. Bearded Things is not liable or responsible for any loss of soul, possession, or physical displacement in any ethereal realm of existence. We do not encourage playing of any supernatural games, and you do so at your own risk. Yeah. Now that the LLC is covered, <laughs> the elevator game is believed to be a portal to another realm. What that realm is exactly, no one knows for sure. There are a few tales that have made their way around the interwebs, which either come from the same source or have eerily similar experiences. Wait, some sort of alternate universe from an elevator? Like in Bill and Ted? Nice. Well, kinda, except they used a phone booth and George Carlin. Hmm. So let's get into the rules that might answer some of your questions. What do you need to have to play the elevator game? One player who must go alone in the elevator the entire time. If someone who isn't a part of the game, which we'll get into in a second, gets into the elevator, you have to start over once you're alone. So if you're at like, say a hotel, it might be best to try this really late at night to avoid other people. And you might wanna look around inside the elevator to see if there's security cameras because I'm sure it will raise some questions. You also need a 10 story building with at least one elevator how to play the game, slash getting to the other world. 
Rule number one, enter the elevator alone. Do not get out on any of the floors. If any outsiders get on the elevator, you'll need to start over like I, I just said. You then need to go to the following floors in this exact order. The next few parts are almost identical in every story I've heard about the elevator game. Proceed to the fourth floor. Then descend to the second floor. Then proceed to the sixth floor. Return to the second floor. Ascend to the tenth floor and return to the fifth floor. When you reach the fifth floor, it's then that people start reporting seeing a young woman. She'll get on the elevator with you and you're instructed to not look at her or interact with her. She may or may not try to talk to you, asking for help, and sometimes she's been reported as saying that she actually antagonizes you. Rule number eight, press the button for the first floor. Now two things might happen. If the elevator descends to the first floor, exit immediately and do not look back or speak to the woman or even speak out loud. Leave the building. Do not look back until you're off the property. I don't know why, but this is a common warning and I would strongly suggest following it. If the elevator starts to go up, you've been allowed to enter the other world. When you reach the 10th floor, things might look slightly different. No one else will be there. The power might be out. Some players claim to look out windows and only see a red cross burning in the distance. If you choose to exit the elevator, you should ignore the woman's attempts to question or stop you. If you choose to stay in the elevator and not explore, just press the button for the first floor and return home. You might have to keep pressing the button to get it to work. But here's an important thing. If you choose to get off the elevator, there are a few rules to follow in order to properly return to your home world. You must use the same elevator you use to arrive. It's very important to make sure it's the correct elevator. Several versions of the legend say it actually gets disorienting and confusing to make it hard for you to find that exact elevator. So find a way to mark it or memorize exactly which one it was. Now to get back, you need to follow the steps two through seven again, which would have you finishing on the fifth floor. So the floor sequence would be four, two, six, two, ten, and then five. When you reach the fifth floor, press the button to return to the first floor. The elevator will attempt to return you to the 10th floor instead. Begin pressing the other floor numbers to stop the elevator before you reach the 10th floor. Proceed to the first floor again. Upon reaching the first floor, check your surroundings. If anything, even the littlest detail seems off, do not get off the elevator. You need to repeat that process again until you get to the right environment. Once you're confident you've returned to the, quote, real world, exit the elevator. Now, the Netflix documentary aside, some people believe this is exactly what happened to Alyssa Lam at the CISO Hotel before her mysterious death. Hmm. Now, what do I think? I don't know. With legends like Bloody Mary, we have the literal centuries-old urban legend factor of my cousin's neighbor's brother tried it and this happened to him. The elevator game, though, seems too new to be separated by a few degrees like that. Would I try it? Well, I think this is a safe space where I can be honest with you about how macho I really am, right? 
And so I am in fact so macho, I would totally go up to that elevator, press that button for you, and then sit in the lobby and wait for you to try it because I don't <laughs> think I'm down for that. <laughs> I'm kind of stuck at the what if stage of it. Like what if it's true? Maybe not a portal to another realm, but this definitely has elements of ritual to it. Mm -hmm. What if this ritual has serious negative connections to it? Plus, I've seen way too many horror movies to not freak out if a creepy woman steps into an elevator with me. Like, I would probably legit melt down. And to be honest, like, I already have, like, night terrors from PTSD, and I don't need to add to the list of stupid things that I've done that have caused mental disorders. So, uh, I think I might sit this one out. But come on, Chris, it can't be real, right? Oh, dear listener. I think I do my best to not fill in missing information with my own speculation. Sometimes it's better to just let sleeping dogs lie. But if you were to ignore our health and safety disclaimer from the beginning of this segment and go out and try this, please, and I'm begging you, please, stream it live, tag us, and whatever you do, do not talk to the woman. So I wish I had some sort of resolution for this or more information. The fact of the matter is I haven't tried it and I don't know that I will. I just know this exists. So my bearded friends, this was the elevator game. Nice. That's kind of terrifying, but also like, I don't know. It's pretty awesome. I like, I've always been a fan of like the paranormal games. And I know like as a kid did a bunch of stupid crap that probably shouldn't have. And I know like, kind of like you were saying, like if I was like, I don't know, between the ages of like 12 and 19, I would probably totally be all about this. Like, yeah, let's do this. Cause you know, teenagers think they're invisible, invincible. Like, well, I thought I was invisible sometimes when I was a teenager. <laughs> well, that's middle child syndrome. That's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, when you were like talking about like the order of like the numbers and like if someone else on like that's not in your party or not in the group, like gets on the, the thing, I kept wondering, like, I wonder if like the cop firefighter trick would work. Or like you I just hold the button down yeah like you push the closed door button you hold the button down it just beams you back and forth like i wonder if that would work i don't know. but then i don't know if the the lady would be able to get on the like i mean i would assume just because she's some sort of supernatural entity yeah i'm sure she's gonna get in that powers. elevator yeah yeah but uh yeah i don't i like i i want to know more mm-hmm if you or somebody you know has done this to, to anybody out there, um, please let us know. Um, yeah, definitely. And growing up, too, in the, where we grew up in, in California, we didn't really have a lot of buildings with more than yeah. <laughs> like seven stories. There was one building. Mm. And uh, then they put a like a local law where they can't be anymore. Mm. But, um, yeah, I just I don't think I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm. It, not too many things like this make me uneasy, but I, this one really creeps me out mm. and I don't have any reason for it. So just going off the bad vibe I already get just from telling this story, I think, I think I would hard pass on this. Yeah, probably. But those of you that ignore our PSA warning in the beginning, if you do, like you said, let's know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious. I just have a lot of questions and, uh, Maybe you have tons of giant buildings with elevators in your neck of the woods and you don't care and you'll, you'll go for it. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a quick commercial break. And we're back. Wow. That got crazy for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is good to be back. 
Woo. What do we got going on? Uh, I don't know. This little thing that we like to call banter with the Beardsleys. It is time for banter with the Beardsleys. And what is banter with the Beardsleys? Banter with the Beardsleys is our fun, super unscripted, as you can't tell by now, um, <laughs> off the cuff conversation between Chris and I. We are the Beardsleys. And um, we like to take a lot of our listener submitted questions, hash them out. Yeah, we like to have a lot of fun. Um, just kind of shoot the shit a little bit and you guys get to see a little bit more of how our crazy, weird, warped brains work. Yeah, and I understand we have some listener submitted ones that you have in front of you. Yeah, we're going to do kind of a, there's a couple like food-based questions. So we're going to unwrap a couple of those. See what I did there? And the first question comes from our friend Gabby in Hawaii. And she asks, how do you guys make a grilled cheese sandwich or a PB&J? Oh, man. Uh, I feel like we have to answer both of those questions because they're both very distinct. Yeah, and very different type of sandwich. Um, So uh, as I've talked about before on the show, I have a a medical condition that I'm very um, challenged by. and, And I'm still capable and competent, but I am lactose intolerant. Oh, boohoo, so am I. I know, it's pretty great. (laughs) Like, there's been some (laughs) interesting nights where we've gotten pizza in a very small one-bathroom house. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That has very thin walls. (laughs) Very, very thin walls. (laughs) Uh, So, anyhow, uh, so if I'm going to do something like a grilled cheese, I go all out. So, I, I, I mean, there's a time and a place for Wonder Bread and craft cheese like don't get me wrong i'm not gonna ever knock that that's like a staple of my childhood mm. but uh yeah like you know if i'm gonna risk you know my health my home life and my physical home i'm gonna make it worth my troubles oh yeah so what i like to do is get like a really good like fresh baked sourdough roll mm-hmm. and then um i'll get the the irish butter and i will butter up the pan side of the bread and like get it nice and crispy and toasted. Oh, one more step too. So uh, I take the sourdough, spread the Irish butter on it, and then I'll put uh, Parmesan cheese on that nice. buttered side and then put, mm-hmm. you know, get it down to, so it's like melting and getting all crispy with the cheese. While that's happening, I'll get like, it, it depends on the mood and what I'm, you know, what my palate is after. But sometimes I'll do like a smoked Gouda or like a really good like deli sliced cheese. And then put that on top of the bread as it's toasting. And then um, do the, you know, the same for the other bread, the the butter and the parm and let that kind of crisp up. And then sometimes, you know, I'll get some, while I'm at the deli, I'll get some really good like deli sliced ham. And maybe I'll throw that in there. Although it's no longer really a grilled cheese, it's now a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes I'll do that and it is absolute perfection. What about you? How do you get down with your grilled cheese? uh very oh, still, actually i, I gotta give a shout oh, yeah, out your, oh go ahead uh i actually stole that recipe to uh the, the the grilled parmesan and all that stuff from one of our listeners uh chris who was moving so i just gotta say thank you for not knowing that i stole your grilled cheese recipe <laughs> <laughs> nice um i actually not surprisingly i guess have a very similar approach to grilled cheese sandwiches um i used to like jokingly back when i was married and even after I was married, but like when I would make a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches, I jokingly referred that I had like my gourmet line of grilled cheese sandwiches. And um, 
same thing like i i'm never gonna knock like you know just simple like you know the cheap bag of bread and you know the cheese that melts automatically <laughs> when you look at it hard enough um but no, i do the same thing like i i like to use sourdough bread i don't get like the sourdough roll i just get like the whatever the pack that they have at the stores and butter up one side of that and then i do a little bit of garlic salt and either seasoning salt or um i have like this like 19 peppercorn blend grinder thing that i'll do depending on what i'm making and so i'll like butter it do the same thing with the cheese i really like pepper jack cheese um and so i'll do like a a half pepper jack half cheddar kind of sliced cheese thing where i put it all together back when um i could eat like you know bacon and stuff like that i would do like bacon strips or like the ham now i can do uh i've done like shredded chicken sometimes in between it i can do uh any 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 sort of protein type thing um like getting a a nice sort of smoked sausage and like cutting it up like pepperoni style (laughs) um putting that in between is nice and the same thing like buttering it back up flipping it over and doing the whole thing um i've also when i have leftover mac and cheese i will heat up some of the mac and cheese like in a separate pan and kind of squish it a little bit so it kind of crisps up the the mac and cheese a little and then i'll put that in between the cheese slices so it's kind of like a mac and cheese grilled cheese and i've done the same thing with leftover um mozzarella sticks where you kind of cut them up it makes it a little bit thicker of a sandwich it takes a little longer like but it's really good when like the cheese kind of melts and gets in between the mozzarella sticks uh i kind of whatever i have left over i'll throw that in between the cheese when i make a grilled cheese and that's kind of like what i do a lot i mean that's technically like the all-american just whatever you got covered in bacon and cheese and like essentially (laughs) yeah yeah minus the bacon now but other than that yeah just all that stuff so what about the pb and j oh man um so for that one i i just kind of like resort to my eight-year-old self and go back to grade school and <laughs> like I've tried really fancy like organic free range cruelty free peanut butter mm. before and it's fine it serves its purpose but for me personally nothing beats creamy jiffy peanut butter I I just I like it it's mm-hmm. the perfect it's like what when I want peanut butter that's what I want like nothing else will work N- nothing else is going to match that taste that profile that I'm looking for so I generally just do, you know, generally on uh, wheat bread, because if I'm going to eat really bad stuff for you, I, might, I pretend it's healthy, even though wheat bread isn't much healthier than white bread anymore. <laughs> it tells me, you know, in my head, it's healthier. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'll just glob it with peanut butter and then uh, Smucker's jelly, depending mm. on the mood, could be grape, could be uh, strawberry. I don't know. You know. I live wild. And on really crazy nights, I'll do like a big old glob of peanut butter a little bit of jelly and then dice up bananas and put it in there. Thanks. What about you? How's your peanut butter? Um, I don't like peanut butter and jelly on wheat bread because I feel like it's a weird combination. I feel like peanut butter and jelly has to be on some sort of like white bread. You would say uh, that. I'm, I'm, not <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of like regular. I don't like just white bread. Like it's just, it's all it is is like sugar, um, which doesn't help. I mean, I like potato bread, which is not really much different. But, yeah, pretty um, much yeah it's like yeah kind of, pretty much the same thing yeah uh just potato instead of wheat but um i like the potato bread with pb and j um i'm not super picky about the peanut butter and or jelly um because i, I just think of peanut butter jelly as like a comfort food so it's like ooh, this is amazing 
uh i do i'll peanut butter both sides of the bread and then smush the um jelly in the middle definitely a strawberry jelly kind of person i'm not a huge grape jelly fan um i remember when i was a kid i used to have a lot of uh like orange marmalade with my pb and j's oh yeah and which is pretty good but now like most time you find that it's just got like the orange rinds kind of in it still and i'm just not a fan of orange rinds in my marmalade so i guess i have to like can my own marmalade somehow (laughs) but kind of combine the two when i worked at my old job when i worked with the group home with the kids uh one of the kids was really into basically like a fried pb and j but like it's not fried like you butter you make it like a grilled cheese you put butter on the outside and you toast the the bread and then you put the the pb and j on the inside it's amazing well yeah that's what did elvis in yeah, you got you just gotta do it. Like, I mean, it's a sandwich fit for a king. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so yeah, I think that's my PB and J. Yeah, sounds delish. Um, okay, and then part two of our food miscellaneous questions comes from our friend Marcy in Columbus, Ohio, and she writes, "What is more of a salad, a fruit salad or a potato salad?" <laughs> well let me just start with fruit salad because i have a whole rant about potato yummy yummy (laughs) uh fruit salad first off okay it's not a salad like in any stretch there's nothing salady about it it's like coated in whipped cream which i guess would be the dressing the dessert equivalent of like eat a eating a salad like swimming in ranch Mm, like it defeats the entire purpose of everything about it but they are delicious i'm not going to knock it some people get crazy and put walnuts and coconut in there but i'm not a fan of that but uh you know it's definitely not a salad it's a great dessert but it's not a salad it like not you can't even pretend there is nothing salady (laughs) about that um potato salad potato salad is the most versatile meal you could possibly make. And here's my logic. I've been like, it blew my mind years ago when I kind of realized this when I, I, so I went to a funeral and afterwards, you know, everybody gets together at the family's house and you all Mm. eat food. And without a doubt, somebody's bringing potato salad, Mm. right? You're having a birthday party, a little backyard barbecue action. Everybody comes over. Somebody brings potato salad, right? Wedding, mm-hmm. you have potato salad next to the thing. The potato salad is at every event of our lives and nobody talks about it. So I think potato salad, although it's not a traditional like Caesar or whatever type of salad, because <laughs> it's not, it's uh, still one of the most versatile meals or, or things you can bring to any event and it's totally acceptable. Like you can't bring like jello shots to everything, but you I can. Mean, you could. I mean, technically, <laughs> some people might, you know, want to have a little sit down with you, but. Potato salad, it's always the right time for potato salad. You have Your work is having a little luncheon thing. Hey, I'll bring potato salad. Fits right in. So, Okay, but are you talking of regular potato salad, German potato salad, deviled egg potato salad? What kind of potato salad are we talking here? Listen, any of those things is perfectly applicable. I mean, I would probably steer away from deviled egg potato salad at a funeral because there's just a weird connotation there. But <laughs> aside from that, any kind of tater salad... It can, you can squeeze that into just about any event you can think of. So that's, that's just my take. Which it's also not a, an actual salad. 
Okay, yeah. It's just the unsung hero of American cuisine. And I don't even like mayonnaise, but I when I see potato salad at an event, I'm like, you made it, pal. Glad you're here. <laughs> Every single time. I have to say, one, I don't think either one are salads. I don't think fruit salad is a salad. I don't think potato salad is a salad. But also every time I hear or like I have potato salad or I see potato salad, I it always reminds me of the Black Jeopardy skit on SNR where <laughs> Chadwick Boseman's on as Prince T'Challa and um, <laughs> talking about Karen bringing the potato salad. Oh, hell not, Karen. <laughs> Keep your bland ass potato salad to yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that being said, I... I I don't think either one are a salad. I don't like fruit salad really at all. I'm not a big whipped cream fan, so I don't like fruit salad just in general. Um, but I think, and I think maybe Marcy knew this when she sent the email because it said, what's more of a salad? Which I think I would agree with you where like potato salad is more of a salad because like it's got veggies. Both, yeah, like one's a fruit medley, one's like a potato, celery, egg, mustard, mustard egg thing. medley. And I, I feel like there's more ingredients in a potato salad that could go on a salad versus a fruit salad, which is just like, you know, it's like a fruit basket and someone covered it in whipped cream. Like, <laughs> here you go, have a dessert. Um, yeah, and just going off fruit and salad, I personally don't think they should ever mix. Like if I'm getting... If I'm going to go out to eat when you can do that again and I order a salad from a restaurant and they bring me like an apple wedge salad something or raisins, like, no, mm. that does not belong next to green leafy things. That's it's not. <laughs> I mean, an apple grows on a green leafy thing. Yeah. But once it's like been decapitated from the tree, then like the metal gods have like bestowed it upon me to devour and like dispose of the corpse not to like make it next to like this very pretty leafy green salad like no doesn't even taste right does not <laughs> taste right i'm sorry i'm very passionate about fruit getting in my salads i i get i i know what is it like the there is like a salad like that it's got like the walnuts the raisins the apples like it's like a super popular salad i can't remember the name of it it's disgusting it's, that's what it is it's yeah. a disgusting salad. <laughs> it's a bleh salad um <laughs> but yeah like so i mean i think there's some of that stuff but i just i think in the the spirit of salads um but between the two getting closer to the line of salad potato salad would ex yeah and i think between that like that's like i i really enjoy salads i love like making salads i love going places that have salads um and so in terms of that i like potato salad a lot more than fruit salad as well so <laughs> that gives points so i think I'll, I'll go with potato salad like you do um i just think that's I don't know it makes the most sense and it's the closest thing to a salad both in terms of what i would want to eat and things that can go in a salad yeah and you know just next time you go to an event with family whether it be good events bad events just any kind of social gathering where people are like potlucking or bringing food mm -hmm. just look around that table you're gonna find potato salad yes you're hopefully welcome. it's good potato salad even if not, it'd be great if it was, but it's going to be there, man. Potato salad is that weird uncle who just shows up at family events. <laughs> Nobody knows how or why, but he's there. It That's always potato ends up salad. in people's mouths. Not going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that answered everybody's questions this week. Yeah, hopefully. That was a kind of a nice two-part, a little bit longer of a banter with the beards. But yeah, I hope they enjoyed it. Yeah. Now that that is out of the way, uh, are you ready, sir? Yeah, I think I am. 
Alrighty. So when thinking on my topic and our subsequent late night texting that, you know, Chris and I, you, you had, you and I had together and trying to brainstorm ideas. I was really on the fence on what I wanted to cover, but I knew if I followed my heart, I would find the topic. But even then, it was a struggle. So I, I kind of looked out the window. I searched the stars for answers. And all it got me was staring at a weird, oddly shaped horseshoe constellation outside. Um, and that kind of got me thinking of some folklore. And I knew luck must be on my side. So I decided I'm going to go out back and I'm going to hunt for a four-leaf clover because I've never found one. And I was close. But I couldn't find anything because the sky was still pretty dark because, you know, we haven't had a second full moon of the month. So there was no full moon, no no blue moon to guide me. Um, so I decided to take a break and like, you know what, I just need to go to sleep. So I fell asleep and I had this really weird dream where I the Biden bucks came in and I was, you know, living lavishly. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to buy a pot of gold and I'm going to put it in my room. So I did that. But then sadly, my my dream was interrupted by some thunder and lightning and the sound of rain on my windows. So I went outside because I love the rain, or I went to open the window because I love the rain. And I looked out expecting to see like the dark night sky and like seeing the rain, but it was daytime and the clouds were parting. And I noticed this beautiful rainbow spanning across the, the, the window and I was stunned. But then my dream kind of turned into a nightmare because I saw a stupid Pennywise the clown from it and he was holding that stupid red balloon. And I woke up suddenly, I popped up and it, it took me a second to kind of get my bearings and see where I was going. And once I calmed down, I kind of tried to decipher what the hell was going on in my brain. I tried to piece together all the symbology and both kind of like when I was awake and when I was in my dream, because there were hearts, stars, horseshoes, clovers, and blue moons, a pot of gold and a rainbow, and finally a tasty red balloon. And it hit me that all these things seem magically delicious. And I started singing a stupid song and I knew what I was going to cover. So without further ado and any more silly stories, I present to you the folklore and legends of the leprechaun. So now when we think of a leprechaun, I'm pretty sure we all picture the same thing. The tiny little guy wearing, you know, a little green suit. He's got some red hair. He's got the black shoes with the giant buckles on them, right? Are we talking Warwick Davis? Because that's what I'm picturing. (laughs) No, talking traditional cartoony. But yeah, I mean, I mean, even more, he still had like, you know, the green suit and the buckles. So maybe. Uh, and for the most part, I think that sort of green suited person is what we see in our mind's eye. And the leprechaun, as we know it, has kind of remained that way since the first stories that sprout up in the 8th century in Ireland. But do you, like I did when I first think of leprechauns as little men running around a meadow, a forest, um, it kind of makes sense that they live in this like kind of meadowy area, right? And most of our modern day interpretations of a leprechaun is him protecting his pot of gold. But the reality, or at least a fabled reality of what we know as leprechauns began as water spirits. And some of the earliest tales, which like I said earlier, start to spring up in the 8th century, tell us of these spirits coming out of the water, taking over the body of a common house fairy, and then using that small stature to steal wine and other goods from the homes. The word used to describe the merged form of the spirit and the fairy became known as a lutropan, which roughly translates out of old Irish as small body. Now, before you come at me with your emails and your DMs saying, hey, Tyler, you stupid head, why would you say old Irish and not Gaelic? Everyone knows that ancient Irish language is Gaelic. Well, pump your brakes, friend. Old Irish is not Gaelic. And in fact, Gaelic isn't even Irish. It's Scottish. So the word Gaelic is 
used to describe the culture and people of Ireland, but the language is not Irish. There's no Gaelic Irish language. The word for the Irish language in Ireland is Gualga, which looks very similar to Gaelic. So us silly Americans always get it wrong. But if you go to Ireland, you tell them to speak Gaelic, they're going to punch you in the nose. Um, sorry about my little language tangent. Where was I? Oh, yes. The Lukopan. It began coming into homes of villagers late at night when everyone was asleep and started stealing things. This is partially where the trickster nature of the leprechaun comes from. Other legends around the same time speak of the leprechaun being part of a fairy family of ancient beings that invaded the island, island of Ireland long ago and were banished by the humans to live underground for eternity. These tiny creatures, known as leprechaun, were devious and liked to play tricks on people when they were least expecting it. Whichever origin story you tend to believe, the story of the leprechaun really begins here. Small creatures that have a penchant for not really following the rules and messing with us big, large humans all the time. These little guys also enjoyed something not as fun as pulling pranks, in my humble opinion, and that's that they like to dance around and play instruments. I'm not a dancer. Leave me alone, okay? Leprechauns are known to be amazing dancers and can play a variety of stringed instruments. They were known to hold festivals that would last for days on end, where they would all get together to dance and play music. Based on this constant dancing and merrymaking, leprechauns needed to find a way to repair all the shoes that they were going through from their furious dancing. They also needed to get off their damn couch and get a job. And sadly, in the first millennia or so, there were really no commercials or movies to give a starving leprechaun a break. So they had to find a more practical and useful job. The leprechauns became expert shoemakers. Cobblers to be exact, but shoemaking is another etymological explanation on how the leprechaun came to be known to us. The old Irish translation for a shoemaker is the Lithbrogan. So our leprechaun friends would dance the night away. They'd spend all day repairing their shoes just to do it all over again. There is an old Irish legend that says a woman was stolen from her village by a group of leprechauns. She was not heard from again until she was brought back to the village by the little people, completely alive and mostly intact. I say mostly intact because she was alive, but she was missing all of her toes. The legend says that she was missing her toes because she had danced them all off. Another legend says that if you're ever walking alone near water or near an open clearing and hear a faint tapping sound, to not be alarmed, that the tapping is the sound of a leprechaun letting you know he's nearby and he's feverishly working away at repairing his shoes. Just enjoy the tapping sound and go on about your business because the legend also says if you go hunting for the sound, you will never find it and you will get lost in the woods. Now that I've covered some of the more dated legends, let's get into some good stuff. I'm talking about gold, baby. I think most of us are familiar with the story of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Let's first take our thinking caps off and let's acknowledge that, yes, there's really no true end of a rainbow, right? The rainbow is an optical illusion caused by raindrops reflecting sunlight, casting a prism effect. Because of this, we can never really find an end to the rainbow. But if we could, then according to Irish legend, the leprechaun has stashed gold at the end of it the oldest origin story for the pot of gold and the one thought by most folklorists and the as the origin revolves around a poor farming couple in ireland the story says that the couple were down to their last harvest and when they pulled up the final miserable carrot there was a tiny leprechaun hanging on to the carrot being trapped and unable to escape the leprechaun told the farmers that if they released him he would grant them one wish the farmers were unable to think of just a single wish and began to wish for lots of things all at once. They needed new tools, a better house, new clothes, nice jewelry. 
on and on, they went listing off things that they wanted until Leprechaun got frustrated and just told them to stop. He was sad by their greed, and he told the farmers that if they wanted all those things and more, all they had to do was do one simple task and everything could be theirs. They had to find the Leprechaun's pot of gold that he had hidden at the end of a rainbow. The farmers agreed to go looking, and the Leprechaun allegedly winked at them and disappeared and left the couple to chase rainbows for the rest of their lives, which I guess is better than chasing waterfalls, am I right? Most folklorists and sociologists now point to the pot of gold as that unattainable object that is used to teach us a lesson. The farmers in that story could have simply wished for a better life, a farm to always produce crops or something that could have kept their simple life going. However, they're unable to keep their greed in check and wish for more and more until the leprechaun sent them off on a magical chase that they would never complete. For a mainly working class country like Ireland, this was used as a way to teach its people the value of hard work and not relying on magic or anyone but yourself for means to provide. And speaking of hard work and doing things for yourself, I can hear you asking me in your car ride, hey Tyler, how on earth can we catch a leprechaun of our own so we can get a wish? Well, my fine friend, let me tell you. First of all, modern leprechauns are said to grant you three wishes if you were smart and clever enough to catch one. Second of all, don't try to catch one. Legend tells us of leprechauns being very sneaky and tricky and making sure people come out worse than when they met the leprechaun. One legend tells of a man who caught a leprechaun he doesn't mention how, but when he caught the leprechaun, he demanded to know where the leprechaun hid his treasure. The leprechaun sadly pointed to a tree nearby. The man then untied his bright red scarf and tied it to the tree before running home to grab a shovel to start digging. When he returned to the area, he found that every single tree had a bright red scarf tied around it. Then, when the man started to head home in frustration, he found that the path he had come on was gone, and he was surrounded by red scarf-lined trees. He was doomed to wander the forest forever until he ran out of energy. But what am I saying? You guys are clever. You're smart. You're not rude. You can totally catch a leprechaun and treat it well. There's an old Irish legend that says leprechauns can be benevolent when they want to be. One tale tells of a nobleman who was having a rough time in life. His castle was falling apart and he was forced to sell some of his valuables in the nearby town to pay off some of his debts. Trudging home one night, he came across a small creature walking in the rain, so the nobleman stopped and offered to give it a ride on its horse. The nobleman rode for a time before realizing that the small creature had disappeared. The nobleman finished his ride home. When he got to his castle, he saw that the entire thing was filled to the top with gold in every room and every hallway. Other legends say that the leprechaun will do anything and everything to get out of granting your wishes. You may have caught the leprechaun, but if you take your eyes off him for even one second, he will vanish. So the leprechaun will place objects in your path, so you have to look down or he'll try to make you spot things in the distance any chance it gets in hopes that you'll take your eyes off him and he can get away. Finally, a few tidbits here before we finish. I have spent most of the time talking about these legends and the lore based on the Irish storytelling, but would it surprise you to know that the word leprechaun isn't even Irish? All the derivations sound like leprechaun, which is why we say it, but the word isn't Irish according to the lexographers. They say that the modern word for leprechaun comes from the ancient Roman religious group called the Leperci, which celebrated Lepucalia, or a feast that include purifying your body by bathing in the nude. And when do you know it? Remember back at the beginning of my topic when I talked about those water spirits that were called the Lucarpin? Sounds a little bit like the Luperci, don't you think? I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that in 1989, a man who lived in Carlingford, Ireland, found what he claimed to be evidence of a leprechaun. He said that he heard a scream by an old wishing well 
And when he went to investigate, he found a tiny green suit, four gold coins, and a pile of tiny bones. Townspeople and scientists studied the evidence, and while many believed it was a hoax, the items are on display in the museum behind glass for all to see. And today, every year around St. Patrick's Day, they have a hunt where they hide 100 ceramic leprechauns in the forest for people to go out and find and bring back for prizes. Finally, it should also be pointed out that in 2009, the European Union voted to grant leprechauns heritage status and gave them a protected sanctuary nestled in a mountain. Actual adult politicians argued that there were 236 real live leprechauns living in the mountain and needed to be protected. So the EU voted and made it a law that leprechauns are a protected species. And that, my bearded friends, is the lore and legend of the leprechaun as we know it. And speaking of leprechauns and Ireland and patron saints and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, the patron saint of bearded things, uh, Josh Gates from uh, Expedition <laughs> Unknown, Yes, uh, he went on an episode looking for the leprechaun, ended up at a pub where they had a leprechaun in a pickle jar. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he concluded that in no way at all were that were they chicken bones tied together <laughs> in a green suit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, and another like like there's no female leprechauns. It's an all male society, which makes no sense. But hey, you know, you know, frogs they do the same thing. Yeah, I was like they get around somehow. If somebody wanted to reach out, say hello, give us a topic for banter with the Beardsleys or a topic for uh, us to cover, where and how can they do that? You can reach out to us by any of our social medias. Our Instagram is at Bearded Things Pod. Facebook is facebook.com slash Bearded Things. We also have this really cool Facebook group. If you've made it this far in an episode and you're listening to this, you should totally come join our Facebook group. It's called the Bearded Things Bearded Friends Group. We've had a rash of new listener or new members joined just this, this past week so it's been fun having a lot of conversations we're currently discussing girl scout tricky so you should totally come and join that conversation please um our youtube is at bearded things twitter is at bearded things pod we also have an email which is contact us at beardedthings.com. we have a website which is www.beardedthings.com on that website there is a contact us page which comes straight to our email so please fill it out say hi and um yeah Yeah, awesome job this week. I think that should just about do it for us. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.